0: The Crushed and Pressed podcast discusses content that includes violent crimes, sexual abuse, substance misuse, and crimes against children. We understand that some of this content can be triggering for both children and adults. Listener discretion
1: is advised. Hello, friends. Hello. (laughs) It is me, Flip. And me, Ange. And we are back with another episode of Crush and Pressed. Woo! Yay! Audio only. Yes, audio only format. Fun, fun. Oh my God. Hey, you guys. So, this episode
0: may or may not be aired. This is our tester to make sure that we're smart enough to work the technology. And by us, I mean Joey, not us.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't work the technology. I just do the thing. And then I say, Joey, do the thing to that thing. Uh And he goes, All right, cool. Yeah.
0: And then magic. And you guys can hear us much more clearly than some of our lives that we rip from the thing. And hopefully, the quality of this is not like. Piercing your earbuds like right out.
1: Right. I we'll hope see. not. God. Hear and early, maybe early. if you play this backwards, a secret message will come through. Please. Yes. It possesses you to join our cult. <gasps> hey, speaking of cults. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, speaking of cults, that's what we're talking about this season. Cults. Awesome awesome yes good it's gonna be a nice fun season a fun season filled with people who like to drink the kool-aid but mm-hmm. you'll learn quickly that it wasn't kool-aid
0: no no that name brand <laughs> people shit. who
1: Mm-mm. yeah people who really enjoy nikes <laughs> yeah yes
0: yes hail Bob comets coming for you we're the away team yes we are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. and people that drive really expensive cars past their impoverished followers yeah Mm -hmm. yes uh Uh,
1: famous people who join religions yeah oh god yeah that's religions with a question mark question mark
0: and then god willing we're gonna do a couple little minis that explain things like the difference between like regular religion and a cult um some cult followings cults as seen in like media just other fun little stuff because come on you guys you love a cult
1: exactly Hmm. So, Ange, what are you drinking today? Um, okay,
0: so (laughs) I'm gonna say I fell off that wagon during, um, the great quarantine, and I've gained some weight, and between the meds that I'm on for my stuff and just my unhealthy way of living like a trash panda, um, I'm now drinking just water, and I left, my wine had been sitting in the fridge for over a month open, and I drank some the other day, like a very Mm. tiny bit, and got the worst headache of my life, so... I am on, let's see, I've had 48 ounces of water today, so I'm good. on, like, another 12 ounces, and that That's should good. be some good water for today. I know. Good, fresh. Good.
1: Fresh from the fridge. Yeah. What are you drinking? Um, I, too, have water. Um, <gasps> yeah. I I guess the, the reasoning behind this is I drank on Friday, and I drank yesterday, so nice. today we take a break from drink. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. man. And, and for, you know, I'm trying to, like, get up and work during the week and, like, right. <laughs> not function a, a little bit. That'd be
0: a total sloppy mess. Um, Well, and then you had rehearsal already. And then I if did. this is a time flip thing, you guys will know full well what we're talking about. But uh, travel back in time with us. This is at the beginning of the rehearsal process.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, oh, it is. Yeah. So I had our... um. Our first official blocking rehearsal today for uh, The Crucible, so that'll be fun. Sweet. And you're playing which awesome character? I am playing Tituba. Badass. I am dancing naked in the forest with the devil.
0: Yes, you are. You're drinking all the blood. I'm drinking all the blood. (laughs)
1: Oh my god.
0: Uh, Hey, y'all, but this is the first show me and Flip have been in since the humans together? Yeah, since the humans, yeah. (gasps) Oh, where we played sisters. And now I'm doing mm-hmm. uh, Elizabeth Proctor, so I'm the scorned wife of yes. <laughs> our friend Bo, <Beau, laughs> who's cheating on me with our friend got it. This is a great show. Right. This is going to be real and funny.
1: And we, we will not give you any spoilers, but no. it'll, it'll be great. If you, you haven't yeah. read The Crucible yet, read The Crucible. <laughs>
0: yeah. shit fits <laughs> right in with the cults. Let's just, I mean, it's
1: appropriate right. for this season holy crap uh wow okay so today's episode is on the people's temple mm-hmm. um people's temple is a pretty well known cult
0: mm-hmm. at I'd least say.
1: from my thinking it's a pretty well known cult um people's temple actually the people's temple of the disciples of christ that was shortened to the people's temple mm-hmm. and this yeah, um, is organized by Reverend Jim Jones, and just going to kick us off today, so.
0: It's all you, girl.
1: All right, y'all, so when
0: people hear the word Jonestown, you usually think of just horror and death, and this is where you get all of those, like, horrible memes with the Kool-Aid man and shit like that, but what I want to talk about is the beginnings of this, which were actually pretty noble and came out, I just it, I'm reading through it and learning a whole lot of really nice stuff. Um, the article I found is from the and, uh, I'm sure I'll get to the writer at some point in here, but basically let's see, um, let's see, we're going to skip through that's all the spoilers. So the temple began as a church in the Pentecostal holiness tradition in Indianapolis, Indiana in the 1950s. So, and there's like, if you look up pictures, small little church house, Um, It was in a really deeply segregated city, and it was one of the few places where black and white working class congregants would sit together in church. And then its members went through and provided different kinds of assistance to the poor. So food, clothing, housing, legal advice, and then the church and its pastor, Jim Jones, gained a reputation for fostering racial integration. So this was really great and a big fucking deal in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. go back and listen to our series of summer right. 69 and shit our summer 69 this is, and this is
1: way ahead of that
0: so it's very like right wow they were doing some and amazing shit
1: talking that like most of these people in this um group at this time they have a very large black mm-hmm. slash african-american population within this group yes
0: And then they did a lot of different fundraising things. They had like a food truck and asked for donations and stuff like that. And they were him and his wife, Marceline Jones, were able to subsidize the free restaurant. And it was a cafeteria where anybody could eat at no cost. And they also um, like mobilized to promote desegregation efforts at local restaurants and businesses. And then the temple formed an employment service that placed um, African-Americans in a number of entry level positions. Mm -hmm. And, like I said, that's just bananas for the 50s, that they were doing this, doing this successfully, and had the support of the community. And then, in 1962, Jim Jones had one of those prophecies, and he saw a vision of a nuclear catastrophe, and he urged his Indiana congregation to relocate to Northern California. So... They looked at different parts of the world that would be safe in the event of a nuclear war, and they included a region of Northern California, and that's where Jones had his idea to move. So in the 60s, more than 80 members of the group packed up and moved west together. Now, for me, that's not a normal fucking church. (laughs) Like these are steps little little baby steps that maybe as you're in it you're like this seems totally fine this is something that seems right you know we need to make this move we can move whatever we're doing over there we're just relocating but also you're abandoning your entire life all your friends and family that aren't involved in this church right so under the guidance of his wife and him the temple acquired a number of properties in the redwood valley and then they started nine residential care facilities for the elderly six homes for foster children And then Happy Acres, which was a state-licensed ranch for mentally disabled adults. That shit's Mm -hmm. great. Like, this seems really good. And then also with that, uh, Temple families took in others needing assistance through informal networks and got them housing and stuff like that. And then there were different ways that they raised money. So the care homes were profitable, as were the money-making ventures that they had, like the small food truck and uh, members of the, the church were able to sell grapes from the temple's vineyard to, uh, it was the Parducci wine cellars. So they mm-hmm. made money through that. And these fundraising schemes, along with more traditional donations and then tithing from the members, helped to underwrite these free services that they gave, like the restaurants and the housing. So around this time, young, college-educated white adults, California, they started to trickle in. And they were using their skills as teachers and social workers to bring in more members to a movement that they saw as preaching the gospel and redistributing wealth from the community Mm -hmm. to the areas that needed it most. So the writer of this article says, My younger sister Annie seemed to be drawn to the temple's ethos of diversity and equality. Quote, There is the the large group of people I have ever seen who are concerned about the world and are fighting for truth and justice for the world. And she wrote that in a 1972 letter to this writer. And she says, and all the people have come from such different backgrounds, every color, every age, every income group. So it just sounds really good. (laughs) And then, but the core constituency, the main members were comprised They comprised thousands of urban African-Americans as the temple expanded south to San Francisco and then eventually to Los Angeles. Yeah. So they were frequently depicted as poor and dispossessed, and these new recruits actually came from working and professional classes. So they were teachers, uh, post office workers, civil servants, uh, military veterans, laborers, literally, like, anybody. And then Mm. there was this promise of racial equality and social activism operating within a Christian context, which really enticed them. So the temple's revolutionary politics and substantial programs are what sold a lot of people on this. Because it's not just some cults, you have just the leader who's super charismatic. And that's what people are drawn to. This isn't really one of those situations from what I'm reading here, like, He did have his own shit going on, and we'll talk about that. But this was a program that people like me could look at and say, yeah, that seems like something I want to volunteer with. You know, and then you get into it and go, oh, wait. So regardless of the motives of their leader, the followers wholeheartedly believed in the possibility of change. So during that time, uh, (laughs) let's see, we had the decimation of the Black Panther Party, and assassination of black activists. And the group was especially committed to a program of racial radical or no, of racial reconciliation. But even though they couldn't escape structural racism as quote, eight revolutionaries pointed out in a letter to Jim Jones, um, these eight young adults left the organization in part because they were watching new white members advance into leadership ahead of experienced older black members. So they're sitting here going, you are fighting for racial equality and within your own ranks you're not doing the right thing Mm -hmm. so nevertheless throughout the movement's history african americans and whites lived and worked side by side it was one of the few long-term experiments in american interracial communalism uh along with father divine's peace mission movement uh which jim jones emulated like he stole ideas from that so Everybody worked together. They saw themselves fighting for the same thing. They have pictures of members of the People's Temple joining picket lines in an anti-eviction protest in San Francisco. And they were just really involved in their community. And they, the members and non-members received a variety of social services. So like, they provide rental assistance, funds for shopping trips, health exams, legal assistance, student scholarships. And they would pool those resources. And in addition to like filling the collective plates members received more in goods and services than they might have earned on their own and they called it apostolic socialism Mm -hmm. and jim jones was one when he started he was a self-defined communist and he was kind of surprised that like the local lutheran church was willing to embrace him and help kind of train him and that's how he got so he took that Communist point of view brought in the Christianity, turned it into this apostolic socialism. It's a uh, it's a lot. So, the let's see, living communally not only saved them money, but it also built solidarity. So now you're living in this community. You don't need people outside because you're getting everything from within your community. So you don't need to talk to the people you left behind in another state. You don't really need to work with people right outside of our little community everything that you need is right here right yeah and that housing existed in redwood valley but it was greatly expanded in san francisco and then entire apartment buildings in the city were dedicated to accommodating unrelated temple members many of them senior citizens who lived and cared for one another um (laughs) and then yeah (laughs) And then I have it starting as early as 74, a few hardy volunteers began clearing land down in the northwest district of Guyana. And that's near the disputed border with Venezuela. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of my history of that. And I didn't, I was gonna say, I have some more stuff about him in particular,
1: but I think you can cover a little right. bit more of that better. <laughs> so, so I think when we talk about the people's temple and, and like the foundation of this group, we can't not talk about Jim Jones mm-hmm. and his childhood life and this he was a weird kid. Yeah. Um oh he God. was really interested in reading the works of Joseph Stalin, Karl Marx, uh, Mao Zedong. Uh Gandhi Hitler, and he was super interested in religion and uh of course, it suggested that it was extremely difficult for him to make friends. He was uh-huh. obsessed with the religion, he was obsessed with death, he had funerals for small animals on his parents' properties, and um kids from that went to school with him could even recount the time that he stabbed a cat to death and then had a funeral for it. What a creepy little nerd. Jesus. Ugh. right. Uh and another childhood acquaintance has even stated that after the German prisoner of wars arrived in town, one patted young Jim Jones on the back of the head and he responded by giving the uh Nazi salute and yelling "Heil Hitler" no. into it, 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 to this guy's face. Yeah. What a fucking weirdo. Good God. Um apparently Jim Jones also said that his father was associated with the Ku Klux Klan. Great. And he and his father consistently argued about race and he didn't actually speak to his father for many years after his dad wouldn't refuse to allow one of his black friends into the home. Mm-hmm. Oh wow.
0: God. Yeah. What a nightmare. Okay. Yep. Yep. What a nightmare of a person. Sounds legit. This is the guy le- leading all these beautiful things that I just talked about. <laughs>
1: um, when he was 20, he started attending gatherings of at the Communist Party USA in go. Indianapolis, and he was completely flustered with the harassment during the McCarthy hearings. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. he was frustrated with the uh persecution of open and accused communists in the United States. And he, people around him recounted that he would asked, how can he demonstrate his own Marxism? And he thought that the best way to do this would to be by infiltrating the church.
0: Man, what a thought. Yeah, yeah, because why not? Well, and that's, uh, isn't the guy who did Scientology, they were saying something like, he's like, one of the best ways to get rich quick is to just start your own religion?
1: Yeah. 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 Oh, So, throughout this entire time, he's talking about social gospel virtues, and it turns out this entire time that he's not revealing that his gospel is actually just communism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And, of course, like you said, he had his uh, apostolic socialism, which was basically just, like, socialism mixed in with religion
0: yeah oh did you i'll say did you read the thing about his rainbow family um i did Yes. So he and his wife adopted several non-white children and referred to the household as a rainbow family, saying that integration Integration is more personal with me now. It's a question of my son's future. I'm like, motherfucker, you are playing this. You are not in it for the right reasons. And then he also portrayed the whole temple as a rainbow family, but they adopted, let's see, it was Agnes, who was part Native American, and then three Korean American children named Lou, Stephanie, Suzanne. And they later adopted, uh, let's see, her at age six. And then he encouraged temple members to adopt orphans from war-ravaged Korea. Mm-hmm. I just... This is one where I'm like, look, you are not Angelina Jolie. I don't know what's happening
1: here. It's just wild. So he preaches to his new members that the Holy Spirit was within them, but that he had the healing power that like, he demonstrated... Through a special manifestation of Christ the revolution. Um, and he also preached that the US was the Antichrist and capitalism is the Antichrist system. Stop it. I mean He preached mm-hmm. about nuclear holocausts, after which the surviving elect would create a new socialist Eden on Earth. And he predicted that this would happen on July fifteenth of nineteen sixty-seven. And it happened, right? Right. So that's <laughs> oh, when no. they decided that they needed to move to Redwood. Oy. Oy. <laughs> to establish their church there. Ugh. Um, And at this point, he starts saying that Christianity is a flyaway religion, and he rejects the Bible as a white man's justification to dominate women and enslave people of color.
0: <sighs> Here's the thing, though. Sometimes these nutters... Sound a little bit okay. Like the okay. Oklahoma City bomber had some good points, but this, right. I'm
1: like, hmm. so there is definitely like that statement right there. I can say that I've heard in many arguments <laughs> yes. from people that like white religion is just a way of dominating women and mm-hmm. people of color. Like, it's not the first time I've heard that. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a radical statement by any means at this point. (laughs) Um, The letter (laughs) Killa, which was a booklet that he distributed, uh, he used that to point out where he felt there were contradictions, absurdities, and atrocities in the Bible. And he also stated that the Bible did contain some truths. Okay, now we're just cherry picking. Right. And he preached that the divine principle equated with love and love equated with socialism. Okay. And the Bible instead contains a bunch of beliefs in a sky god or a buzzard god who wasn't really actually a god.
0: Oh, stop. Oh, man. I've heard a lot of this stuff recently. We're in the year 2021. Right. I've heard a lot
1: of this stuff. Okay. Right. So when they moved to San Francisco, now he's able to become more open with his political leanings. And he, by spring of 1976, he openly admits outsiders, to outsiders that he's an atheist. Oh, wow. Hot damn bunny, you're leading a cult. What? Right. Oh. Despite the temple's fear that the IRS was investigating its religious tax exemption, Marceline admits to the New York Times in 1977 that her husband, who took inspiration from Mao Zedong, was actually trying to achieve social change by mobilizing people through religion. Oh, and she wow. admits that Jim used religion to try to get people out of the opiate of religion. Oh, wow.
0: OK, that's an interesting. Um,
1: and then uh, she slammed a Bible on the table and yelled, I've got to destroy a paper idol whoa so whoa i mean, I mean <laughs> she said something that was like okay and then she was a little crazy it's it's cool
0: it's oh my fine. god that's up there
1: with the beatles saying that they're bigger than jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> um they yeah. were able to more strenuously emphasize that its members lived communally once they moved to san francisco They stress physical discipline of children first and then adults, and the San Francisco Temple also carefully vetted newcomers through extensive observation. Oh, that's weird. They distinguish themselves from most new religious movements with their overtly political messages, Mm -hmm. and they combine those genuine political sympathies with the perception that it could help turn out large numbers of votes to gain the support of a number of prominent politicians. So... Oh, that shit happens today. Interesting. Right. He made it known after the move to San Francisco that he was interested in politics and legal changes in the way San Francisco elections were held. And he basically decided that he was going to reach out to all of these politicians and become, like, well-known in this community.
0: This is the man with Elvis hair and aviator shades, right? Right. Good right. god.
1: Okay. So, after the the Temples Voter Mobilization efforts proved instrumental in George um Moscone's run for mayor of San Francisco in 1975, he actually appointed Jim Jones as the chairman of the San Francisco Housing Authority Commission. Holy shit. No. Wow. So that meant that Jim Jones and the Temple received support from a huge political figure.
0: Yeah. Oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, shit. Wow.
1: Um, And then using this position at the Housing Authority, he was able to lead the fight against evictions of tenants from San Francisco's International Hotel. Uh, The Temple further forged an alliance with the San Francisco Sun reporter-publisher Carlton Goodlett and received frequent favorable mentions in the newspaper.
0: Oh my God! They
1: also received positive coverage from the San Francisco Chronicle columnist Herb Callan and other local newspaper and television reporters. Oh
0: no, because it seems all on the level, and then there's a little bit of crazy under there. Uh oh.
1: Right. Great. Um, the temple aroused police suspicion. However, after Jones praised the, and I'm I'm hoping I'm saying this the Simbanese Liberation Army. Sounds right, I think. Yes, spell it: S Y M B I O N E S E. Symphonies, Liberation Army, Uh, a radical Bay Area
0: group. Huh? (laughs) Tell us in the comments if we're wrong. Yeah,
1: you're right. Um, a radical Bay Area group and its leaders attended San Francisco Temple meetings. Further suspicions are then raised after the um mysterious death of um bob houston and the defecation yeah what is that sorry (laughs) Mm -mm. my eyes just went bad oh god okay the mysterious yeah okay so Joyce shaw and the mysterious death of her husband bob houston after tension rose between the temple and the nation of islam in san francisco And then a large spiritual jubilee at the Los Angeles Convention Center attended by thousands, including prominent political figures to kind of heal this rift between all of these groups. Oh, wow. I just find it interesting that the police are like, hey, let's get involved really quick, because this shit seems a little strange that all of these weird groups are (laughs) jumping together real quick. Yeah. Hold on. This looks a little fishy. Oh, you think? So... The temple, of course, has all of these positive media alliances, but they also end up having a lot of media scrutiny. And (laughs) in the fall of 1973, there is a critical newspaper article by Lester Kinsolving and the defection of eight temple members. Um... Jones and the temple attorney, Tim Stowen prepare immediate action contingency plan for responding to a police or media crackdown. Now, they decide that the best way to do this is to just leave. Yes. So they have a plan that lists various options, which include fleeing to Canada or to a Caribbean missionary post such as Barbados or Trinidad. Oh, shit. <laughs> right. So for its Caribbean missionary post, they quickly choose Guyana um, after conducting research on its economy and the extradition treaties with Mm -hmm. the U.S. Right. Oy! (sighs) So in October of 1973, the directors of the temple passed the resolution to establish an agricultural mission in Guyana.
0: Yeah, because they don't just go there and like take over, like they're building housing right. and roads and like really establishing
1: a whole town. So, they choose Guyana in part because of their because of their own socialist politics um which were moving further left during the selection process and then former temple members stated that the reason for choosing Guyana were the temple's view of a perceived dominance of racism and multinational corporations within the US government. Oh wow they conducted that people in Guyana were were English speaking they were a socialist country with a predominantly indigenous population and they had a government that included prominent black leaders okay they figured that that would afford black temple members a peaceful place to live i mean yeah seems right
0: you right. think right hey, so yeah, let's go find out Yeah, the
1: Guyanese prime minister states that Jones may have wanted to use cooperatives as the basis for the establishment of socialism, and maybe his idea of setting up the commune meshed with that. Um, Jones also said that he thought that Guyana was small and poor and independent enough for him to easily obtain influence. Yeah. And that once he had influence, they would protect him. Oh, and
0: that's we'll get into that with some of our other cults too. (laughs) the choosing of a location that seems like, oh, this is small and easy for me to take over. Let's choose here.
1: Yeah. So he Jim Jones went in and presented the Guyanese government with the beliefs or the benefits of allowing the people's temple agricultural project to settle within its borders, because now we are calling it all kinds of official names. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, things legit. Um, And one of their main tactics was to speak of the advantages of their American presence near Guyana's disputed border with Venezuela. There you go. Yeah. And, um, of course, their prime minister thought that this was actually a really good idea and a promising idea because they were afraid that Venezuela was going to attack them. Damn. it. That's okay. So in 1974, they traveled to an area of northwestern Guyana with their officials and... Jones and the temple negotiated a lease of over uh, 3,800 acres of land in a jungle located 150 miles west of the Guyanese capital of Georgetown. You guys,
0: thank you for joining us for our audio only. We appreciate all the stuff you've been chiming in with us through this pandemic as far as our live videos that we have on YouTube and Facebook live. Um, we want to keep doing that kind of shit too. So, we do have special events planned. If you follow us on our Facebook page, you'll see some of our events that are upcoming. We are going to be hosting Jackbox Party Nights that we want you guys to come play with us. Um, our first one is going to be Saturday, March 27th at 7.30pm Eastern Standard Time. There's an event page on Facebook about it, but basically we need you guys to go to the Discord link so that way you can... Find the codes for the game in there. And then you also need to have a Twitch account so that way you can play. Um, it'll be me, Flip, Joey, and John playing initially until we start getting people in that want to play. And then we'll step out and let you guys come in and play and just sit there and cheer you on um, as we do, like, what, Murder Trivia Party? And uh,
1: what are some of the other games? Like We'll do Murder Trivia Party probably do that alien one where you try to find the imposter dude
0: yeah there's like whiplash you can design t-shirts there's all these different ones um we do have some rules you got to keep it clean this is a family-friendly show we don't want to get banned so don't go drawing dick pics on stuff we will kick you the hell out um but come have fun with us get your wine get your friends sit at home have a nice social distance hang out with us um, mm-hmm. So, again, that's Saturday, March 27th. And if you missed that one, we're going to do another one on Thursday, April 29th. Same thing, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and then if you want, if you like this, you can drop us some tip money that helps buy our recording equipment, pay for some of Joey's time for editing, and get us some good wine. Um, and that is at Patreon.com. Search for a Crushed, the little ampersand, and Impressed podcast, and we're on there. And you can drop us some tip money. And then just make sure you're subscribed all over the place and following us on all the shit. Because, yeah. man, it really helps. <laughs> it really does.
1: Yeah. Okay, and are you ready?
0: Oh my god! Okay, so this is the part, you guys, where if you haven't heard all of this stuff before and you're going, this is new and fascinating, I've never heard of this cult before. Get ready, because you have heard of this cult before. They're, like, the one that people know about.
1: Right. Ugh. So, <laughs> they start leasing this area and the site is isolated it had soil but it was very very low fertility even by guyanese standards Mm. the nearest body of water is seven miles away by muddy roads and the jonestown location stood not far from the border with venezuela again which posed a threat for military (laughs) yeah hey friends we know you've been loving it in california we've been
0: doing some great work with the food truck and whatnot we'd love to take you to this beautiful island community oh by the way it sucks right (laughs) get in here it sucks
1: so they have 500 members who begin construction of jonestown and the temple encourages more people to relocate to the settlement and they basically pitched Jonestown as this socialist paradise and a sanctuary that was away from media scrutiny. Man. When the lease was finally approved and negotiated, um, they also work out for the temple to import certain items duty free. Mm hmm. And then there were also some payoffs that helped safeguard shipments of firearms and drugs through Guyanese customs. Oh, yeah, because your church needs all this. Let's do this. Yes. Right. Mm. They also had an agreement that Guyana would permit temple members mass migration. Oh. Huh. Um, He stated that the temple members were skilled and progressive, and he also maybe possibly gave them an envelope that contained uh five hundred thousand dollars oh i bet i bet a million dollars he did <laughs>
0: here please and let me bring my 500 bitches with me
1: <laughs> that maybe the temple could invest a little bit more into the economy
0: man oh, that sounds like such a sweet deal
1: if you're that economy right damn unfortunately the huge number of immigrants overwhelmed the government <laughs> I would think so. That's, yes. <laughs> Completely overwhelms our infrastructure. That's too where small. Where now towns. all of these immigrants outweigh locals. That's an entire high school.
0: What the fuck? Right.
1: <laughs> um, But Guyanese immigration pr- uh, procedures were also compromised to inhibit the departure of defectors e. and curtail the visas of temple opponents. Oh, shit. Okay, great. So you're with us or you're not, and you're screwed oh, if you're not. Right. Jonestown was held up as a benevolent communist community. Jones stated that he believes that we're the purest communists there are. Baby. Honey. Really? Marceline said Jonestown was dedicated to live for socialism, total economic and racial and social equality, and we're here living communally. mm, mm. He said that the Prime Minister saw the temple construction and the community, and he couldn't rave enough about the wonderful things that they do and the the project and just the model of socialism.
0: God.
1: And then, of course, he turned around and said not one single person here can leave without permission.
0: Yeah. By the (laughs) way, you're prisoners. Thank you for coming to our commune. Please, try the patchouli.
1: Like, what the fuck? (laughs) So the temple establishes a a Offices in Georgetown and they conduct numerous meetings with Burnham, who's the prime minister, and other Guyanese officials. Mm-hmm. Uh, Temple member Michael Prokes requested that Burnham receive Jones as a foreign dignitary along with other high ranking U.S. officials. This sounds very so, beneficial to him. <laughs> right. Jones travels to Guyana to meet with Burnham and Foreign Affairs Minister Fred Willis. And in that meeting, they agree to pass on the message to the State Department that socialist Guyana wanted to keep an open door cooperation with the u.s oh fred they also followed up the meeting with a letter to the prime minister stating that jim jones was one of the finest human beings and he was tremendously impressed by the visit to georgetown that'll age well right jesus good temple members took pains to stress their loyalty to the prime minister's people's national congress party one Mm -hmm. temple member said that she she was involved in a romantic relationship with Guyana's ambassador to the U.S., Lawrence Mann, and Jones bragged about other female temple members he referred to as public relations women for giving all they could for their cause in Jonestown.
0: You're in a cult if you're having
1: to do sexy things
0: that aren't within what you would normally do. (laughs) Yeah.
1: If you do not normally want to have a relationship with this person... (laughs) Mm -mm.
0: But your cult needs you to. I'm sorry. Your church needs you to. <laughs> yeah. There's your a church problem. church needs you to.
1: You may be in a cult. Cool. <laughs> Maybe in a
0: cult. <laughs> Jesus.
1: Uh, later, the prime minister stated that Guyana allowed the temple to operate in the manner it did under references from other high officials um, mm-hmm. and he also said that when Deputy Minister Ptolemy Reed traveled to Washington, DC in September of nineteen seventy seven to sign the Panama Canal Treaties, Mondale asked him, How's Jim? Which indicated that other officials had personal interest in Jim Jones' well being. Again, the man with the Elvis hair and the shades? Right. <laughs> Damn it. Ugh. Okay. Yes. So, now, in the summer of 1977, after everything is built, they finally are able to move into the temple in Jonestown to escape the media from San Francisco. Oh, my God. Um, Jones (sighs) left the same night that the editor at New West Magazine read him an article to be published by Marshall Kidluff, which detailed allegations of abuse by former temple members. Yeah, because I was
0: going to say not everything was beautiful, and now there's some things coming out that make it seem like, okay, we're running away from some shit.
1: Right. Now, after the mass migration, Jonestown becomes severely overcrowded. The population is slightly under 900 people at this point. Yeah. And also, isn't the construction of Jonestown basically like a
0: volunteer slavitude? Like, these people are working in horrible, horrible conditions to build these houses until this land, and you're not getting paid for this? You're not allowed
1: to leave. You don't get paid. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Many members of the temple believed that Guyana would be as promised, which was a paradise or a utopia. Oh, no. However...
0: No. Look at the picture, you It's not...
1: (laughs) After Jones arrived, Jonestown changed. Mm. Um, entertaining movies from Jonestown that settlers had watched were mostly canceled in favor of Soviet propaganda shorts and documentaries on American social problems. Bureaucratic requirements after Jones' arrival sapped labor resources for other needs. Buildings fell into disrepair and weeds encroached in all the fields. School study and nighttime lecture for adults turned to Jim Jones having discussions about revolution and enemies with lessons that focused on Soviet alliances, um, Jones's cries, and the purported mercenaries that were sent by Tim Stowen, who had defected from the temple and turned against the group. Look. You just wanted to live in a beautiful island
0: community with your weird hippie friends, and now all of a sudden you're in the book 1984, and Big Brother is preaching at you every night about banana shit. This is horrible.
1: For months, no. Temple members work six days a week from oh. 6.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. with an hour for lunch, oh. um, but after Jim Jones' health deteriorated in mid-78, hmm. And his wife began managing more of Jonestown's operations. The work re- was reduced to eight hours a day for five days a week.
0: And wasn't his health then, deteriorating because of all them drugs? Like, he was yeah. on drugs, you guys. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> And his uh, eyesight and course, started to go right because of the drugs? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the man was not healthy. Okay. So after the workday ends, temple members then attend several hours of activities in the pavilions, including classes and socialisms, discussions around current events that were often just the form of Jones interrogating individual members about implications and subtexts of news items and giving lengthy and often confused monologues on how to read certain events. Look, here's the thing. I thought we were going to watch the kids
0: do a skit, but I guess not. I think it's one more talk about him <laughs> interpreting this shit poorly. Right.
1: Damn it. Um, and then Jones recorded readings of the news, and they were constant broadcasts that were played over Jonestown speakers so that members could hear them all day and all night. I hate it. The news recordings usually portrayed the U.S. as a capitalist and imperialist villain while casting socialist lead- leaders such as Robert Mug- Mugabe and Joseph Stalin in a positive light. Wow, that's a choice. The only, yeah, the only form of communication they had was a shortwave radio.
0: No, oh,
1: God. And they would use that shortwave radio to communicate with people back in San Francisco to let them know when they needed more supplies damn oh. why because they were not self-sufficient <laughs> not at all
0: not even a they had to
1: bit. import large commodities large quantities of commodities such as wheat the temple members lived in small houses with walls that were woven from palms Jesus. and they ate meals that consisted of nothing more than rice beans and sometimes meat a little bit of sauce and some eggs it sounds like fire festival Fire <laughs> festival, except everybody dies at the end. <laughs> uh, this is not good. This is so
0: horrible. And you're sitting, you're going, "Yep, paradise." What right. just happened? Are my walls made of leaves?
1: Right. Is this gruel? They had a- access to an estimated twenty six million dollars by late nineteen seventy eight. But Jones also lived in a tiny little communal house. What the fuck? But less people lived in his house. What the fuck? He also had a small refrigerator that had eggs, meat, fruit, salads, and soft drinks. Oh man, to be the one guy in the settlement
0: that gets a Coca-Cola at the end of the day. Jesus. Right.
1: So now by February of nineteen seventy eight, they're having severe medical problems. They were like having like mass diarrhea, <laughs> yeah. high fevers. Like people mm-hmm. are really sick. Scurvy setting in. <laughs> Jesus. They have no dedicated prison and no form of capital punishment. Oh. um, They would imprison people in a six by four by three plywood box. No. They would force children to spend the night at the bottom of a well upside down. They no. would hang them upside down in a well. <laughs>
0: this is a cult, you guys. This is a cult. It's no longer a church. <laughs> this is a cult.
1: Um, This torture hole along with beatings became the subject of rumors among the local guyanese and um some members who attempted escape they were forced to take sodium pentanol um or valium Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they were living in an extended care unit when they tried to escape yes and armed guards would patrol the area day and night to enforce the rules. That's children were surrendered to communal care and at times were only allowed to see their biological parents briefly at night. And Jones required everyone in the community, adults and children, to call him father or dad. Uh. And during this time, 33 infants were born.
0: No. What? No. Oh, that's fucked yeah. up. Those poor babes.
1: So, apparently the commune is run primarily through the social security checks that are received by the members. Um they received up to $65,000 a month in welfare payments from the US government agencies. Oh my god. No. And those yeah, those welfare uh, payments were then signed over to the temple. No. Oh no. Um that's so bad. But in 1978, officials from the U.S. Embassy in Georgetown actually interviewed Social Security recipients on multiple occasions to make sure they were not being held against their will. And none of the 75 people who were interviewed by the embassy stated that they were being held captive, were forced to sign over their welfare checks, or that they even wanted to leave. Okay, but what would happen if they had said that, though? Like,
0: you're going to be hung upside down in a well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, oh, God, that's so (laughs) sad. Oh, no. So there's a, a series of events that happen here.
0: <laughs> it's a series of unfortunate
1: events. Yes, yeah, a series of very unfortunate events that happen here. So you start with the White Knight rehearsals, where Jones makes frequent addresses to Temple members regarding the safety. And he states that the CIA and other intelligence agencies were conspiring with the capitalist pigs to destroy their settlement. This is also something you'll see in the Waco incident.
0: Yes. You've got to prep your people to know that the enemy is coming so that when something happens, they know, they know it's the enemy do. and that you're yeah. the hero and you've been telling them what to do. Oh, that's so So
1: cool. once these people are done working their long ass days. Yeah. Can you imagine?
0: Not with um, no good music. It's him preaching the whole time.
1: They would announce that these emergencies were arising and that they and they would conduct what Jones referred to as white knights. And on those events, Jones would give the members four options. And the four options were attempt to flee the Soviet Union, uh, attempt to flee to the Soviet Union, commit revolutionary suicide, oh. stay in Jonestown and fight the attackers or flee into the jungle. Yeah, so you're going to stay in Jonestown and fight the attackers. Right. Right. So (laughs) Jones was known to regularly study Adolf Hitler and Father Divine to learn how to manipulate members. Um, And Jones apparently says that Divine told him personally to find an enemy and to make sure they know who the enemy is because that will unify the group and making them subservient to him. I've been going about my life wrong the whole time. I should really try that instead. And there were at least two occasions um, during White Nights after a revolutionary suicide vote was reached that a simulated mass suicide was rehearsed. Oh, my God.
0: And basically
1: everyone was just lined up and they were given a glass of small, like a small glass of red liquid. And they were told that the liquid contained a poison. They would die in 45 minutes and they all would just drink it. And when the time came that they should have dropped dead, Jim Jones explained to them that it wasn't real. It was just a test of their loyalty. Good God. But also told them that the time was not far off. that They would have to die at their own hands. There's a
0: whole Criminal Minds episode that's just like this. And that's, they're, trying, they're trying to get these children out of a cult. And they've, like, mm-hmm. gone to make sure that everybody's okay. And that whole situation happens in this church. And you see, like, the one lady that's like, I'm not going to drink this shit. <laughs> and it's like, they, oh, great. And then right. at the end, he's like, by the way, that was just a test. Mm-hmm. And we know that you're not whatever. And I'm like, oh. So to know that, like, that's an episode I've seen. To know that that shit really happened
1: to people mm-hmm.
0: is horrific.
1: Yeah. Um. They also received monthly half-pound shipments of cyanide. <laughs> that's normal, right? Everybody does that. What the fuck? Um jones obtained a jeweler's license that he could buy cyanide to clean gold what no and in may of 1978 um a temple doctor actually wrote a memo to jones Asking for permission to test the cyanide on the pigs because their metabolism, in case you guys don't know this, pigs, pigs, metabolisms and their decomposition are very close to that of human beings. Uh So a lot of times they will use like pig carcasses for testing. Yeah. Jeez. Also, how much cyanide do you need to be
0: cleaning gold? How much gold do you have? Right. Then you need a half pound
1: shipment every
0: month. Yes. Oh, God. So we're going to test this on the pics. Okay. Great. Good.
1: So then they have the custody dispute for members Tim and Grace Stowen, who battled in a Georgetown court to produce an order for the temple to show cause why a final order could not be issued returning their five-year-old son, John.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Then a few days later, there was a second order issued for John to be taken into protective custody by authorities. Oh, my And God. the fear of being held in contempt caused Jones to set up a false sniper attack upon himself and begin the first series of white nights called the Six-Day Siege. And during that siege, Jones spoke to Temple members about attacks from outsiders and had them surround Jonestown with guns and machetes. No. Wow. That's that's a big plan. That's insane. And here's how even weirder it gets. Great. The rallies took a surreal tone as black activists Angela Davis and Huey Newton communicated via the radio to Jonestown, urging them to hold strong against conspiracies.
0: Oh, Angela Tape. you tried.
1: Jones made oh. radio broadcasts stating, we will die unless we are get, uh, granted freedom from harassment and asylum. Oh, against this fake harassment that I've created. Good. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sounds legit. And wow. of course, the, the Prime Minister is like, nobody is going to invade you. Just give us this child. Like, yeah. Yeah. Are you kidding right now? Oh my God. So now after the six-day siege, Jones no longer believed that the Guyanese could be trusted, and he directed the temple members to write over a dozen foreign governments inquiring about immigration policies relevant to another exodus by the temple. Oh, God. Drugs are, he, drugs are bad, you guys. Yeah. Drugs are bad. He also wrote to North Korea and Albania. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Good. Um, they also conducted frequent meetings with the embassies of the Soviet Union, North Korea, Yugoslavia, and Cuba, and they were trying to negotiate with the Soviet embassy to um, include their possible resettlement there.
0: Oh,
1: God. Um, and the temple actually produced a lot of memorandas that said that the USSR was a possible place that they would be settling. Oh, of all the places. Jesus. Right. On October 2nd of 1978, uh, Fedor T- Timofiev, I think is how he says his name. I mm. can't remember this. I want this doc- it's been a long time since yeah. i have seen this documentary. Um, but he was a Soviet citizen who visited Jonestowns for two days and gave a speech. Mm-hmm. And Jones stated before that speech, for many years we have let our sympathies be quite, quite publicly known that the United States government was not our mother, but that the Soviet Union was our spiritual motherland. Good God. Okay. And the speech also opened stating that the Soviet Union would like to send their deepest and most sincere greetings to the people of this first socialist and communist community in the United States of America, in Guyana and the world.
0: That's a bad sign.
1: If that's who's supporting you, that's bad. So then you start to see that people are having some, like, really concerned relatives in the U.S. Oh, as I should. Yeah. So in 1977 and 1978, that's when we talk about Tim and Grace Stowen, who participated in meetings with relatives of other Jonestown residents. Um, And they all met at the home of Jeannie Mills, who was another temple defector. Mm -hmm. And they called themselves the concerned relatives. Mm Mm-hmm. Tim Stowen wrote a letter to the U.S. Secretary of State and the Guyanese government and traveled to Washington, D.C. to urge them to begin some kind of investigation. On February 17th of 78, Jones submitted it to an interview with San Francisco Examiner reporter Tim (laughs) Reiterman. And Reiterman's subsequent story about the Stowen custody battle prompted the immediate threat of a lawsuit by the Temple. The repercussions were devastating for the temple's reputation and made most former supporters very suspicious of the temple's claims that it had been the victim of a rightist vendetta. Uh-huh. Um. Then in the summer of 78, Jones sought the legal services of Mark Lane and Donald Freed, who were both Kennedy assassination conspiracy theorists to help make the case of a grand conspiracy by the, inte- by the U.S. intelligence Agencies against the Temple. Oh, great. Jones told Lane that he wanted to pull an Eldridge cleaver and return to the United States after repairing his reputation.
0: Mm.
1: So, in September of 78, Lane spoke to the residents of Jonestown, providing support for Jones' theory and comparing him to Martin Luther King. No.
0: Oh, no.
1: Yeah good god lane then held press conferences stating that none of the charges against the temple were accurate or true that there was a massive conspiracy by the temple against the temple by intelligence organizations he names the cia the fbi and even the fucking post office (laughs) and
0: here's the thing there are legitimately people that did have shit like that going against them from the cia was who's the singer that she was being multiple singers billy Holiday was it Was being harassed by the CIA and shit like that. Martin Luther King Mm -hmm. was being harassed by the FBI. Like those are legit things that happen. So it's like, yeah, sure, this seems plausible too. Go ahead, religious leader. But
1: what the fuck is the post office doing?
0: I know (laughs) that's what I want. Are they refusing to send mail? Are they just sending hate letters?
1: They only sent me a fourth of my order of cyanide last week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they declined to send us forever stamps. (laughs) Yeah, like what? Um, and then Lane actually represented himself as a disinterested party in this whole Jonestown thing but it turns out that jim jones was actually paying him six thousand dollars a month wow to do all of this so he didn't actually believe any of this shit
0: no 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 he's being paid to do a job
1: yeah so then you add on the fact that jim jones has a his health is declining severely Mm, not quickly enough (laughs) <laughs> mental and physical health are declining mm-hmm. um he had some kind of lung infection but then s- announces to his followers that he actually has lung cancer of course which it was really just a ploy to get sympathy of course you have to he was abusing injectable valium quaaludes stimulants and barbiturates Mm. good um There were audio tapes of 1978's meetings within Jonestown that attested to Jones's declining physical condition. Oh, yeah. He complained of high blood pressure, small strokes. He had lost 30 to 40 pounds in two weeks. Uh Uh-huh. Even though he was still
0: noticeably overweight. Right. I was going to say, he's starting to look like a disgusting blob monster, too.
1: and And
0: not doing well. He's looking real bad.
1: Um, he had temporary blindness, convulsions. Mm-hmm. Um, he had swelling of his extremities. He had chronic insomnia. He would go three to four days without sleeping. This is our leader. And y'all. when oh. he was addressing people in the public, his voice was his his speaking tone was very slurred. His words ran together, and oftentimes he just wouldn't even finish sentences. Mm. Good and then on top of that his mental health they stated that he was he often had his eyes were often very glazed over and they often had festering paranoia yeah <laughs> great stable stable genius <laughs> mentally stable guy um there was the investigations from Leo Ryan Mm-hmm. represented California's 11th congressional district. Mm-hmm. He said that he was going to visit Jonestown and Ryan was friends with the father of Bob Houston, who was a temple member in California, whose mutilated body was found on the train tracks in 1976. He... Um, and then when he gets to Jonestown, he, he, flies to jones house on november 14th and he gets some people along with him jackie spire who is ryan's legal advisor um neville Antiborn, who was representing guyana's ministry of information richard dwyer who was the deputy chief of missions of the united states embassy to guyana Mm -hmm. um you've got san francisco uh, examiner reporters uh photographers nbc reporters nbc camera operators all of these people are now going to guyana right to visit and they're looking
0: for what human rights abuses like
1: yeah oh god (sighs) they're basically trying to prove that he's holding these people hostage absolutely um god bless leo ryan jesus (laughs) so he gets there and they have it's not just that it's like you know there's a bunch of abuse and things like that that's going on and there's a few people temple members who are expressing that this is happening right it's not just out of nowhere yeah there's reasons for them to start investigating um ryan and three others were actually initially accepted into jonestown but the rest of his party, all of the rest of the reporters, things like that, they weren't allowed in. But okay. after sundown, they were allowed in. Okay. Um. That night, they attended a musical reception in the Settlement's Pavilion, and they were actually received really warmly. Mm-hmm.
0: Everybody, be Jones, on your best behavior. We have guests.
1: <laughs> yeah. Jones said that at this time, he felt like he was a dying man and he ranted about government conspiracies and martyrdom, and he decried attacks by the press and his enemies, and there were verified audio tapes that Jones had run rehearsals on how to convince Leo Ryan and his delegations that everybody was happy.
0: Oh,
1: God. (sighs) So, two Temple members, Vernon Gosti and Monica Bagby Mm -hmm. made the first move for defection that night at the pavilion. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Gosney mistook Harris for Ryan and passed him a note that said, Dear Congressman Vernon Gonsby and Monica Bagby, please help get us out of Jonestown.
0: No. And it went
1: to the wrong person. Yeah. (gasps) A child notices that she does this and verbally alerts the temple members. Fuck. Harris then brings Two notes, one of them from, one of them was the one from God's knee, and they read the note out loud. no, um, but once they read this note, they also read the note to Ryan and spire, and Spire said that that moment is when they realized that something was wrong. Oh no, so spire, Ryan, Dwyer, and Annie Bourne stay the night in Jamestown while other members of the delegation including the press and members of concerned relatives, were told that they needed to find other accommodations. So they went to a small um they went and stayed at a small cafe in town. Yeah, because I say, fucking where? Oh my yeah. god.
0: Meanwhile, I'm under so much stress right now with you telling me this because I'm just picturing large room full of people, music playing, note being passed, come here and read that note. Fuck. Right. No. Right. No.
1: <sighs> so Early morning of November 18th, temple members sense that there's some kind of danger, and they walk outside of Jonestown and make way to Matthews Ridge, which is in the opposite direction of the Port um, Ketuma airstrip. Right. Now, Uh. those defectors included members of the family of Jonestown's head of security, Joe Wilson. When journalists and members of concerned relatives arrive in Jonestown that day, Marceline gives them a tour of the settlement. Mm -hmm. That afternoon, the Parks and Bogue families, along with in-laws Christopher O'Neill and Harold Cordell, step forward and ask to be escorted out of Jonestown by the Ryan delegation. Mm. Then, Jim Jones' adopted son, Johnny, attempts to talk to Jerry Parks attempts to talk jerry parks out of leaving and park tells him no way this is nothing but a communist prison camp oh shit oh shit jim jones gives two families along with gosney and bagby permission to leave um when harris hands gosney's note to jones during the interview in the pavilion jones stated that the defectors were lying and that they just wanted to destroy Jonestown. but he's like whatever go Oh, man, because now you've got witnesses. It's like, I can't kill you here. There's people watching. Right. So there's a rainstorm and there's all kinds of emotional scenes. Like, it's wild to think about that this is actually happening. But there's all kinds of emotional scenes between these families. And there are temple members that are attempting to take two of their children to Ryan. To process the transfer paperwork back to the U.S. and uh. um, his wife Bonnie is summoned by the loudspeaker staff and loudly denounces her husband. Oh my god! And she he pleads with her to come back to the U.S. and she re- re- she completely rejects this whole situation.
0: Oh my god! Like there's
1: like wild scenes that are happening. That's bananas. That's bananas. Oh no 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 no. And Ryan. And his delegation, they begin to depart on a large dump truck to the Port Katuma airstrip. Oh, God. When Ryan and Dwyer decide to stay behind in Jonestown and process any additional defectors.
0: God. Oh. But now,
1: shortly after the dump truck leaves, Temple loyalist Larry Layton and the and who was the brother of Deborah Layton demanded to join the group. <sighs> Then, all of a sudden, the defectors start saying that they're really suspicious of Larry Layton and his motives. Like, why does he all of a sudden want to come with us if he's a loyalist? Shortly after the dump truck departs, Temple member Don Sly grabs Ryan while wielding a knife. And Ryan is unhurt, but he wrestles uh, Sly to the ground. Dwyer strongly suggested that the congressman leave jonestown while he filed a criminal complaint against sly and of course ryan did so and he said he would leave later to address the dispute yeah the truck leaves to the airstrip and it stops um because the passengers hear of the attack on ryan and they take him as a passenger and they continue to the airstrip
0: Uh, i'm sitting here with my hands
1: on my head i just can't handle this (laughs) it's so stressful (laughs) So, the entourage (sighs) originally scheduled a 19-passenger twin otter from Guyana Airways to fly them back to Georgetown because of the defectors. But because of the defectors departing Jonestown, the group grew in number, and now an additional aircraft was required. Damn. Accordingly, the U.S. Embassy arranges for a second plane, which is a six-passenger Cessna. That's just one of them little tiny planes. Yes, it is.
0: (laughs) Six-passenger. (laughs) Jeez.
1: Yeah. When the entourage reaches the airstrip between 4.30 p.m. and 4.45 p.m., and the planes are not there as scheduled. The group has to wait for the aircraft to land, and this aircraft is landing at approximately 5.10 p.m., and then they start boarding.
0: Oh, and all I can think right now, there's like 909 people that fucking live here. And right. you're sending the world's tiniest fucking plane at the right. most delayed speed possible to help anybody that wants to get the fuck out of 900 people. Oh. So
1: Larry Layton, who was this suspicious loyalist who wants to join the defectors, yeah. he is on the Cessna. And that the Cessna is the first aircraft to take off. I would not want to be on that plane with him. So after the Cessna had taxied to the far end of the air stop, He produces a handgun and starts shooting all of the passengers. What a piece of shit. Jesus. He wounds Bagby and Gosney and tried to kill Dale Parks, who managed to disarm him.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Meanwhile, there are other passengers who boarded the larger Twin Otter and a tractor with a trailer attached driven by members of the Temple's Red Brigade, Brigade Security Squad, arrived at the airstrip and approached the Twin Otter. No. When the tractor neared the approximately 30 feet of the aircraft, at a time roughly concurrent with the shootings of the Cessna, the Red Brigade opens fire with shotguns and handguns and rifles. No. While at least two shooters circle the plane on foot. No. This is There horrible. were nine shooters in total. Jesus. The first few seconds of the shooting were captured on video that was recorded by the NBC cameraman who was killed along with Robinson Harris and Temple defector Patricia Parks in the first few minutes of the shooting. Ryan was killed after being shot more than 20 times. (gasps) Jackie Spire, Sung, Dwyer, Reiterman, and Anthony uh, Katsaris were among the nine injured and around the Twin Otter. And in the shootings, the Cessna pilot, along with the pilot and co-pilot of the Twin Otter, fled in the Cessna to Georgetown. And the damaged Twin Otter and the injured Ryan delegation members were left behind on the airstrip.
0: Oh my god. So. Clearly we're not leaving. Great.
1: Right. At this time, well, back at back at Jonestown. Oh,
0: say so back on the ranch. So this was yeah. at like five in the evening, right? That all the shootings yeah. and stuff are happening. This is
1: back at Jonestown. And now everybody's reporting that aside from this issue with the guy with the knife, Ryan left Jonestown in basically good terms. Jones says to him that he's he still feels like he's failed. Mm. Um I just love it. Jones says he failed and that um he Starts to call everybody. He, he goes over the broadcast and he calls everybody into the pavilion. Mm-hmm. Um, He starts mixing this grape flavor aid. It is not Kool-Aid. It is flavor aid. With promethazine, chloropromazine, chloroquine, chloral hydrate, valium, cyanide, and diphthenhydramine. Jesus. It's not just um, One. And no, Kool-Aid. it's it's. So they mix die. this. Um, Marceline says that. Marceline tells everybody they have like thirty minutes to like go in their rooms, and then Jim Jones calls them back out, mm-hmm. and he orders the congregation to drink this concoction of cyanide laced grape flavored. Wow. Um, and all. 918 people died including 276 children. That's so many. Um this is the single greatest loss of American civilian life in a deliberate act until the events of 9/11. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um there is a 44-minute cassette tape that's known as the death tape which no. records part of the meeting where Jones called inside that Jones called inside the pavilion in the early evening on November 18th when the assembly gathered referring to Ryan's delegation's air travel back to Georgetown Jones told the people in the gathering one of those people on the plane is going to shoot the pilot i know that i didn't plan it but i know it's going to happen They're going to shoot that pilot and down comes the plane into the jungle and we had better not have left any of our, we had better not have any of our children left when it's over because they'll parachute in here on us. Oh, my God. What a nightmare human. Parroting Jones's prior statement that hostile forces would convert captured children to fascism. Mm. One temple member stated the ones that. The ones that that they take captured, they're going to let them grow up and be dummies. Wow. Wow. On the tape, Jones urged temple members to commit revolutionary suicide. Such an act that had been planned by the temple before. Right. And, um, apparently according to the defectors, the theory was that you can go down in history saying you chose your own way to go. And it's your commitment to refuse capitalism and in support of socialism
0: man yeah because i would say that list of four ways that you had described earlier this was like number two before number three yeah. was like stand
1: and defend the whatever yeah uh. temple member christine miller argued that the temple should alternatively attempt an airlift to the soviet union and isn't that something you can hear her saying that on the tape i think i've heard this tape mm-hmm Oh, um, Jesus. Jim McElveen, a former therapist who had arrived in Jonestown only two days earlier, assisted Jones by arguing against Miller's resistance to suicide, stating, Let's make it a beautiful day. Oh. And later cited possible reincarnation. No. Oh,
0: good God. It's fine. Well, that's there. How else do you get that many people to drink a poison and die? You have to tell them there's something better on the other side and they're doing the right thing, right. And blah, blah, blah. And they have to believe it.
1: Right. And there were also several exchanges where Jones argued that Soviet exodus would not be possible, along with reactions by other temple members who were hostile to Miller, and she backed down.
0: Well, and this is one, too. I think it's on the tape and stuff. You can hear him when people are, like, really upset, and he's telling him, like, don't worry about it. There's This is not a way for us to die. You need to be strong, and that you're just, like, uh, you're not dying. You're stepping over into, like, another plane of existence. Right which is also kind of what we'll get into the heaven's gate, but same thing. They, they weren't Mm -hmm. dying. They were ascending to another plane of existence.
1: Yeah. They said that eventually Miller stopped arguing with Jones because she found out that the congressman had been murdered. Oh yeah. There is no help anymore. Now we're stuck. Yeah. So she was just like, yeah, now, now we're fucking screwed. Great. Um, the first to take okay, so this is coming from temple members who happened to escape. The first to take oh, the poison God. were Rouletta Paul and her one year old infant. Ugh. Um, a syringe without a needle was fitted to squirt the poison into her infant's mouth. No. And then she squirted another syringe into her mouth.
0: Ugh.
1: That's horrible. Uh, Stanley Clayton also witnessed mothers with their babies first approach the tub containing the poison and said that Jones approached people to encourage them to drink the poison and that after adults saw the poison begin to take effect, people started to show reluctance to death. Oh, yeah, I would. Hi. The poison caused death within five minutes for children. Ugh. Less than five minutes for babies. Yeah. And 20 to 30 minutes for adults.
0: Oh, good lord.
1: After consuming the poison, people were escorted down a wooden walkway that led outside the pavilion. Um but of course, people said that it's not initially clear if like this exercise was also taken part or they'd also take part in this exercise in the White Night rehearsals. Right.
0: Because um, yeah, why are we just clearing out the building so more people can come yeah. in and get the drink and it's not crowded with dead bodies? Like, what yeah. are you doing?
1: Um, in response to the reactions of seeing the poison take effect on others, Jones counseled, "Die with a degree of dignity. Lay down your life with dignity. Don't lay down with tears and agony." He also said, I tell you, I don't care how many screams you hear. I don't care how many anguished cries. Death is a million times preferable to 10 more days of this life. If you knew what was ahead of you, if you knew what was ahead of you, you'd be glad to be stepping over tonight. Oh, my God. Rhodes described a scene of hysteria and confusion as parents watch their children die. Oh, yeah. Um, He said that most of the parents just quietly turned and waited for their own turn to die. That's horrible. That's horrible. People walked around like they were in a trance. And the guards, the crowd is surrounded by guards and members basically had the dilemma of either dying by poison or Mm -hmm. being shot to death. Right.
0: And that's you were telling me about previously when we talked about doing this episode about some of the guards that had to make that decision it's like oh, i've got to kill these people
1: knowing that yeah. i'm gonna have
0: to die eventually too. know that fuck? i have
1: to die too yeah um and then of course as more of the temple members died eventually the guards themselves had to drink the poison which is such a like i said that that's a weird concept like yes i have to sit here and watch all these people die and then kill the ones who choose not to drink the poison and then i have to go commit suicide yeah like what a thought process like
0: And and to sit there and, and somehow reconcile all of that in your brain with, this is for the greater good and for my safety, and it is better to do this than to keep living.
1: Right. Wow. So, the only medical doctor to initially examine the scene at Jonestown was a doctor by the name of Mutu, who visually examined over 200 bodies and later told a Guyanese coroner's jury to have seen needle marks on at least 70 of them. So, it's possible that if people weren't shot by the guards, that they were injected, injected. with poison. Jesus. Um, there were no determination made as to whether the injections initiated the introduction of poison or whether they were relief injections to quicken their death afterwards. Right. Um, and maybe reduce suffering from convulsions by those who had previously taken the poison orally.
0: Yeah. You're suffering. You're suffering. You're suffering. Let's just end this now.
1: right and then the american pathologist lynn crook determined that cyanide was present in some bodies while analysis of the contents of the vat revealed that there were several tranquilizers in the vat including potassium cyanide and potassium chloride wow
0: so they're an attempt to make it a little more peaceful but it's not yeah
1: you're taking cyanide y'all it's not peaceful. There are plastic cups, flavor aid packets, syringes, some with needles, some without, littered all over the area where bodies were found. Um, There was a gunshot wound to a woman named Annie Moore that could not have been self-inflicted, and she had also ingested a lethal dose of cyanide. Wow! Guyanese authorities waived their requirement for autopsies in the case of a natural death. And doctors in the U.S. performed autopsies on only seven bodies, including the bodies of Jim Jones, um, Ann Moore, Lawrence Schatt, Carolyn Layton. Um, Moore and Layton were selected among those autopsied in part because of urging of the Moore family, including Rebecca Moore, who was a sister of two victims, mm-hmm. who was not a Temple member. Right. At the airstrip, Ryderman photographed the aftermath of the shooting. Oh, yeah. Dwyer assumed... Leadership at the scene and at his recommendation, Larry Layton was arrested by the Guyanese police. Dwyer was grazed by a bullet in his buttocks during the shootings. Didn't know that. Shit,
0: you got shot in the ass.
1: Yeah. Got shot in the butt talk. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Sure did. He sure did. Several hours before, the eleven wounded and others in the party gathered themselves together, and most of them spent the night again in that cafe. And the more seriously wounded slept in a small tent at the airstrip.
0: Oh, that's
1: Um, and meanwhile, you're like, there is no help coming right now. What the fuck do we do? (laughs) A Guyanese government plane arrived to evacuate the wounded. There are five teenage members, um, who were. Followed the instructions of another defector to hide in the adjacent jungle until help arrived. Wow. Wow. um, That group was lost for three days and nearly died. Oh, yeah. You're in a fucking jungle. Good luck. But they were found. <laughs>
0: yeah. That was option four on the things you could do. Go. Go risk your life in the jungle.
1: Yeah, option number four was to run into the woods. Oh, no. After escaping Jonestown, Rhodes arrived in Port Katuma on the night of November 18th and stayed with a local Guyanese family. Um, There were some of them that were put in protective custody. Unfortunately, um, Prokes, who was one of the defectors, did die by suicide. Yeah. Um, during a press conference four months after the incident. Yeah, during a press conference, right? Ugh. Yeah, That's so sad. Um, nine hundred and twelve of the nine hundred and eighteen that were dead, including Jim Jones himself, were collected by the U.S. military and transported by military cargo plane to Dover Air Force Base in Delaware. That's so many bodies. Yeah. Um, and that was just because that location had been used previously for mass processing of bodies. uh. Oh. The last shipment of bodies arrived on November 27th. The base's mortuary was tasked with fingerprinting, identifying, and processing all of the bodies, and the base's resources were extremely overwhelmed and numerous individuals were tasked with moving or identifying the bodies suffered PTSD and in many cases the responsibility for cremations of the remains was just distributed to random funeral homes all over Dover.
0: Oh, that is so fucked up that's again so many people right wow and you're just a regular military person going about your day and they're like get over here and process some bodies excuse
1: me right what am i doing um interestingly enough in august of 2014 there were some remains of 9 people that were never claimed hmm. um those remains had been returned to the next of kin, but there were, a, there were four of those remains were returned to next of kin, but there are five that weren't. Mm-hmm. And then those five were publicly identified in hopes that the family would come claim the remains, but those remain unclaimed. Oh, no. Uh, Larry Layton, who fired the gun at several people aboard the Cessna, was mm-hmm. initially found not guilty of attempted murder. Uh, That's a mistake. Um. Basically saying that he was brainwashed. Well, I mean, you were, but also you held a gun and made a choice. <laughs> right. Acquittal in a Guyanese court, of course, did not free him because he was deported back to the United States and arrested by the U.S. Marshal Service. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, friend. Uh, he couldn't be tried for the murders, but... Um, yeah, he couldn't be tried in the U.S. for the attempted murders of, of them because they were on Guyanese soil, but he was tried under federal statute. Against assassinating members of Congress Ooh. and internationally protected people. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, he was also convicted of conspiracy in aiding and abetting in the murder of Ryan and attempted murder of Dwyer. Uh, he was paroled in 2002, and he is the only person who was ever held criminally responsible for anything that ever happened at Jonestown. Holy crap. Now, of course, this event has been heavily covered by media. There were photographs all over newspapers and Uh Time Magazine and Newsweek. Um, It was labeled as the cult of death. Uh Um, In February of 1979, it was polled that 98% of Americans had heard about this event. Oh, yeah. After the deaths, both the House Committee on Foreign Affairs and the U.S. State Department itself criticized the latter's handling of the temple. Guyanese political opposition seized the opportunity to embarrass the prime minister by establishing an inquest which concluded that Burnham was responsible for the deaths of, at Jonestown.
0: God damn.
1: <laughs> oh, man the cult awareness network a group Mm -hmm. aimed at deprogramming members of cults was formed soon after the jonestown deaths and the group which included congressman ryan's daughter patricia was involved in various personal social and legal battles with a range of organizations from the family international to scientology to the branch davidians which we'll talk about later uh in february of 1980 al and jeannie mills who were co-founders of the concerned relatives and their daughter, Daphne were shot and killed execution style in their Berkeley, California home. Oh shit. Eddie Mills, who was their son was believed to be involved in the extent to the extent that he was arrested in 2005, but charges were not filed against him. And Mm -hmm. that case has never been solved. Oh, wow. The sheer scale of this event and the socialism proposed reported inconsistencies in the number of deaths, allegedly poor explanation of events uh, related to said deaths and the existence of classified documents mm-hmm. has led some to suggest that there may be some kind of CIA involvement.
0: Well somebody had to know something and it seemed like a lot of people were being paid to say things and do things and help cover things right. and get things arranged. So
1: right. Yeah. But of course the House Select Committee on Intelligence said that they completely investigated the event and there's no evidence of the CIA ever being involved in anything. Wash my hands of that. Jesus. Right. There were over 400 people who were buried in a mass grave in Evergreen mm. Cemetery in Oakland, California. That's haunting. Um, So then in 2011, a memorial was erected. Wow. Um, and then this is just something that we had talked about. Again, Jones poisoned people with flavor aid. But the phrase is, of course, don't is, is drinking the Kool-Aid yeah, yeah. to referring to people who like are in like cults with questionable beliefs. Yeah. They drank that Kool-Aid. They drank the Kool-Aid.
0: Um, I also wanted to chime in because we didn't really touch on it. Um, one of the things that you hear about with a lot of cults is the cult leader uh having sex with a lot of the members and stuff like that. And we talked about some of these members going off and being like uh meeting with leadership and community heads and stuff like that in order to get into whatever. Um. What I found was, so Jim Jones was married to Marceline Baldwin, and that was in 1949. Yeah. So he began his first affair in 1968 with Carolyn Layton, and he was with her until the end. And then another woman he became very close to was Maria Katsaris, and mm-hmm. their relationship started like in 74, and she was also his mistress, up one of his mistresses up until his death. And he had many other mistresses during the 70s, both before the move to Jonestown and while living in Jonestown. And there's a book called The Road to Jonestown by Jeff Gwyn, And it states that Jones had occasional sex with male followers, but never as huh. often as he did with women. And that he was most likely bisexual, but his main physical and sexual attraction was toward women. And then December 13th, 1973, he was arrested, Jones was arrested and charged with lewd conduct for masturbating in a movie theater restroom near MacArthur Park in Los Angeles. The decoy was an undercover LAPD vice officer. And Jones was on record later telling his followers that he was, quote, the only true heterosexual. And then Jones banned sex among the temple members outside of marriage, which is not, well, that is one way of doing it. But you're, a lot of them you'll see they will assign spouses to people and then Mm -hmm. they can come in, cult leaders will take your spouse for themselves. Um, So, he banned banned sex among temple members outside of marriage, but he voraciously engaged in sexual relations with both male and female temple members outside of his marriage, and however, he did claim that he detested engaging in homosexual activity and did so only for the male temple adherent's own good, purportedly to connect them symbolically with him. So, That's one where a lot of the ones we're going to cover in the future have a lot of weird, sexy stuff happening. And this one, not as much. It was a lot of the political and overbearing, weird Christianity, socialism shit, and then just use of human labor and mind control and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. versus sex control. But there was he had some weird shit going on outside of, you know, with his drug use and then this and then his connections with people like he's a bizarre human. (laughs)
1: I just read something here. There was an elderly woman who slept through the entire thing. No, that would be me.
0: Oh, no. Yeah.
1: She slept through the entire thing.
0: You wake up and all your friends are dead. Yeah. Oh, no. And what if she really believed and was like, did I miss it?
1: Should I-? She said that she woke up the following morning and walked over to a senior citizen's building where she saw bodies that were covered in sheets. Her sister was among the dead and oh. she recalled there were all of those dead being put in bags. People I've known and love. God knows. I never wanted to be there in the first place. I never wanted to go to Guyana to die. I didn't think Jim would do a thing like that. He let us all down.
0: Oh, no. Oh,
1: um, wow. And then, of course, in the aftermath of this, a oh, yeah. lot of the survivors, of course have their own tragedies after that oh yeah we shit, talked shit about will. <laughs> yeah we talked about mike prokes who was the temple's media relations man who went to a press conference and then killed himself in the bathroom Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: um al and jeannie mills who were found murdered in their home in berkeley california in 1980 mm-hmm Paula Adams, who was a former Temple staff member, was found murdered in 1983. Um, A year later, Tyrone Mitchell, whose parents and siblings died in Jonestown, fired a rifle at a Los Angeles schoolyard, killing one person and injuring more than 10 others before fatally shooting himself. Chad Rhodes, whose mother was Juanita Bogue, whose mother was pregnant with him in Jonestown, was charged with killing a police officer in Oakland in nineteen ninety nine around the time of the thirtieth anniversary
0: and then I was gonna say, like we used to do, there's all sorts of pop culture that exists yes. because of this incident that you'll see like I would say the shit gets mentioned in like family Guy Simpsons like in th- like things like drinking the kool aid or like seeing the animation of the kool aid man jumping through a thing and like wearing the big sunglasses. And Mm -hmm. then all the different, let's see, there is, uh, first off the blocks was an exploitation flick from a a rising star in the late 70s. And it was a Mexican film industry, Rene Cardona Jr. And he directed a quickie ripoff of Jaws called Teen Torrera, The Killer Shark. And then a film about the then peaking phenomenon of the Bermuda Triangle and all this stuff. But he also made a film in 79 called Guyana, The Crime of the Century, a.k.a. Guyana, Cult of the Damned. And it just, you start going through all of the mysterious deaths of people's temple members and all that stuff post Jonestown and that. And then just a ton of documentaries, books, movies. Mm-hmm. If you want to learn more about this, there's a ton of like fictional accounts and real accounts. It's
1: mm-hmm.
0: Powers Booth played Jim Jones in Guyana Tragedy, the story of Jim Jones in the 1980s. Yeah. This is one. Uh the a team debuted um, of following the Super Bowl. There was a commercial that mm-hmm. featured John Saxon as Martin
1: James in the children of Jamestown. Like oof. Mm, mm, mm. There was also um whatchamacallit in that season of American Horror Story. Yes. Yeah. Evan Peters character. They yep. do a a, a Jonestown yep and then any of your
0: um like criminal minds uh svu they all have some there's always some episode that deals with something like this yeah of course well that's a delight i was gonna say um before we end on this really sour sad note
1: um do you have any good news any upcoming stuff any positive thoughts that you want to leave us on do i have any good news any upcoming stuff any positive thoughts Any good Um, food you've eaten lately? I don't know. Any good food I've eaten lately? Uh had some roti last night. (gasps) Really? Um yeah. Oh. It was yummy. I want that. It was super duper yummy. Hmm. Anything interesting. Oh yeah, I do have something interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Um so we 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 go to Applebee's on Thursdays. That's like a thing that we do.
0: Nice, good, classy. <laughs> classy You're keeping them alive. <laughs> that poor business. Yeah,
1: keeping Applebee's alive. Uh no, I really just go there for half price apps and happy hour. Yes. But anyway, so they have these very large uh <laughs> they have these very large long islands. hmm Um anyway, they sell one right now with Fireball. And I want to oh. know who in their right mind is drinking a Fireball Long Island. Holy shit. That's And a if flavor. you are that person, I need to have a discussion with you about why you don't care about yourself.
0: Right. And how many Tums you are taking <laughs> after that.
1: Yeah. Jesus. I, why don't you care about yourself? It's <laughs> 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 so true. Every, every week we sit here and I tell you to take care of yourself and take care of others (laughs) and be kind to yourself and be kind to others. And you can't even do that.
0: No, you're insisting on keeping this item on the damn menu. What is your problem?
1: (laughs) They're only like, they're like six bucks too, but they're these (gasps) giant... Giant six dollar fireball, fucking long islands is disrespectful. You're just disrespecting yourself. That's nuts. Uh, no, no thanks. Don't do it to yourselves, friends. I'm good. Love yourselves. That's that's the positive note here is to love yourself. Thank you. On that note, I did.
0: I bought a new giant box of corn dogs
1: yay Ange has corn dogs again I, know.
0: I haven't had a corn dog in many months and we were at the grocery store yesterday and we're walking through the freezer aisle to get my frozen fruit from my smoothies and i looked and i went yeah i'm gonna get the biggest box they have and that's what i bought <laughs> so i have some like 30 corn dogs waiting for me
1: and just making corn dog casserole sounds delightful
0: should i gotta do that again that's such
1: so good mm, with mustard hot sauce
0: yeah. Mustard and hot sauce. I know. I'm a wreck. I'm a human trashman. It's delightful. <laughs> uh, all right, um, you guys. Yeah, and y'all stay tuned. We have a new outro for our <laughs> recorded episodes.
1: So stay after the closing music for that. But before that, Flip has her message. um Yes. Well, I already told you to take care of yourselves and others and be kind to mm-hmm. yourselves and others and don't get murdered. Please don't do that. That's not cool. mm Lock your doors and be aware of your surroundings. Stay safe out there. Stay healthy. Don't, yeah, please don't drink the Kool-Aid, or in this case, the flavorade. No. Now that we know the truth. Yep. Um. don't, don't do any murderings, and don't join any cults. Yeah, think twice about those aviator shades. And the Elvis Presley hair, don't do that. Jesus. All right, you guys, have a wonderful week. We'll see you soon. Yay, peace out, Cow Scouts. Bye. There's a house
0: on haunted hill where the Bronze Age monsters go to chill. Now, golden and silver, they can't be spied. I'm sorry.
1: Thank you for listening to the Crush and Press podcast.
0: You can find more info, behind-the-scenes photos, and contact us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. You can email us at crushandpresspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcatcher. It helps other people find the show. And if you'd like to support the show with tips, you can donate at patreon.com. Thank you to the Last Electric Rodeo Band for letting us use their music. You can learn more about them at LastElectricRodeo.com.
1: And thank you to our producers, Joey and John, and Pitcher gang Studios for hosting and creating the podcast you are listening to right now. Peace out, Cub Scouts. Bye!